Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 494. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink, and uh, we're joined by a very special guest, my dog, Robot. He's shivering on my lap because he's extremely needy. Aww. So cute. How old is Robot now? He's 10. He's an old man. We're working on getting another dog, a puppy, and we're just excited to find out how pissed he's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> he's used to being the baby, you know, of the house. So we'll see if he's willing to share. I know. Aw, such a sweet boy. Any other awesome updates aside from you're getting another dog soon? <laughs> That's pretty good, I'll be honest. Like, you can't really beat that. Pretty much that's just consuming my entire life. I'm. We're trying to get a puppy, which requires you to apply for, like, 500 puppies and then get turned down constantly. I applied for dogs within an hour of them going up on the internet, and they're already adopted. So send me good vibes for finding a dog. I just want a big, fluffy, black hellhound. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> There's a great story in the Women of Marvel one shot that I think comes out next week based on our recording. And it has a great story with Hella and a hellhound. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> and it's very relevant to this conversation. I suggest everybody go out and check that out. It's real good. That's happening next week, but we are here to tell you all about what's happening and that we're excited about this week. In, in Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. Whether it's <laughs> games, comics, movies, TV, uh, all that stuff. You know, it's, it's stuff we're, we're hyped about. Uh, one of the things we're hyped about, that series called Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, man. Episode four, the world is watching, so appropriately named. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I don't want to spoil everything, but like, holy butts. The end of the episode yeah. What? I mean, if for those of you who have read the the comics, mm-hmm. um, you you know, like it gets pretty intense with Mr. John F. Walker, and it got intense. Yeah, delivered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that dude is a lot. I'm really glad they're just like leaning into him being a lot. It's great. For anyone who's watched the series, I don't think this is a major spoiler, but you know, he gets his butt kicked a little bit and he has a a real moment of doubt sitting on the floor like a sad little boy and that is my favorite moment of the series so far i just i'm like yeah eat it (laughs) i love it so much yeah love to hate him it's that that line where he says they weren't even super soldiers it's like yeah dude yeah Yeah, eat it (laughs) Sorry, is that the wrong thing to say? I just, man, I'm like, yeah, that's right, buddy. Yeah. It just feels good. The series is great, and I can say that it gets even better every yes. episode. And the ending, we can, I, we're not going to talk about it yet. I don't want to talk it, about it. I want to say anything more. Keep watching. That's keep it. watching. Yeah. <laughs> uh, keep watching and keep checking out all the awesome stuff. We have Intel reports to give you sort of the deep dive on the characters and what's gone on in the show, what's gone on in the series. If you want a little bit more, that's all on Marvel.com. There's, of course, the Mighty Marvel must-haves. I bought a pair of the Baron Zemo socks for writer oh, did Matthew you? Rosenberg. <laughs> you did it? <laughs> I did. I sent them to Matt because he wrote a great Baron Zemo in the comics for a while, and I... I'm just excited for him to get them and be like, why did you do this to me? It's going to be great. Yeah. So you guys go watch the series, of course, uh, streaming only on Disney Plus, And then go over to marvel.com slash must haves and see all of the things that you must have. That's right. The thing I must have is a ticket to Avengers Campus because it's like, gosh, it's less than two months away from the opening on June 4th, 2021 at Disney California Adventure. We talked about that last week. Mm -hmm. There's tons of great updates, a little bit more detail and stuff on marvel.com right now. Yes, there's a bunch of images too. You know, we can talk about it, but really go over and look at the pictures. You get to see things like the ancient sanctum and little bits of the Avengers main area. And it is, they're so cool. I mean, Honestly, one of my favorite things was when we did run Disney and we did like a 10K and you run through the two parks Mm -hmm. and hearing that heroic music, especially, you know, over near Mission Breakout, they were playing all of this Avengers music and I was just like, I can run forever. But like being inserted into that world with that great music, like, ugh, it's just the best. 
Yeah, it rules. But maybe you're not going to go to California. Maybe you're going to go to Disneyland Paris. Oh, wee wee. Yeah, <laughs> because there's also some new images for Disney's Hotel New York, the Art of Marvel, the incredible hotel that they are building in Paris to go alongside Disneyland Paris. It's got lots of really cool pieces like Brian Stelfreeze, Black Panther images mm. will be in the hotel, among many other things. You can see some of those photos on Marvel.com as well. Yeah, there's some really cool like stained glass style art. Also, a little bird told me that you might end up seeing some of the videos we make there. So keep an eye out. Ooh, that is fantastic. I'm excited. I hope they dub them in French. And so I have like a really cool manly French accent. Like, wow, I'm not going to do it. So you sound like Gambit? (laughs) I don't want that at all. Let's move (laughs) on, please. Uh, Because we have to talk about all kinds of cool stuff. There are two drops of big reveals about Marvel toys and stuff. The first was, of course, at Hasbro Pulse Fan Fest, which was a huge freaking deal, man. But one of the big things was a tease of some Fantastic Four stuff that's Mm -hmm. happening. On top of the tease of the big Fantastic Four thing, which hopefully we'll find out more soon, there is also the reveal of the packaging for the giant HasLab X-Men Legends Marvel's Mm -hmm. Sentinel figure. I ordered one. I know you did. I was so excited. I'm very excited. (laughs) I don't know where it's going to go in this, this house. I mean, it's like the biggest thing in the world because the Sentinel figure is like 26 it's over 26 inches tall but the box itself i guess it's going to come in you know you have to assemble a little bit the box is 22 and a half inches wide 31 inches tall that's almost three feet (laughs) yeah a friend of the show ryan ting who works at hasbro he said on instagram that's the equivalent of almost 13 retro six inch by nine inch cards so like the little retro figures uh, mm-hmm. the tentacle accessory that the Sentinel has, like, so it'll come out of its hand and it can hold another figure. Mm-hmm. The tentacle itself is 18 inches long. It's this bendy wire tentacle. It's taller than the 16-inch Marvel Universe Sentinel, which was released a few years ago. But also how fun that it's got that wire in it because you know you can wrap up your other little characters. Oh, my gosh. I am going to have (laughs) the best time. And, of course, the box art that Ryan showed off in the Hasbro Pulse Fan Fest Mm -hmm. is the artist by Pepe Larraz and Marte Gracia, and it is gorgeous. Pepe posted a bunch of pieces about it on his Instagram and his Twitter talking about like they just said put all these characters in it and then have fun and I mean Pepe is on like fire right now. He's just doing such great work. Incredible. Yeah it's it's gorgeous. You know the other thing that I was really hyped about from this was the Eye of Agamotto that is like a life-size I think it's only one per customer because I know that they're going to sell like hotcakes, but they're so cool. And it opens so you can see the green time stone in the center. It's mm-hmm. like very MCU accurate. Very cool. Yeah, that that's part of the the Marvel Legends line. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the, you have the Captain America shields that they've right. made, Stormbreaker. You have, I have like behind me, I have um, a War Machine helmet. They've, they've been making these really incredible yeah. Marvel Legends. Like they're not prop replicas, but they are like... Role play items that are super high. End. They're just amazing. This, the, yeah, the... they're like very premium, yeah, accurate pieces that you can use for cosplay if you want, or just to display as a collector. They're so cool. Yeah, and the eye has a really cool stand for it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like in the MCU. It's it's really great. Oh, and speaking of MCU, there's also the new Infinity Saga Thor. Looks like his image, we'll say, from Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame, complete with Stormbreaker and Mjolnir and Foxy Braids. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a great uh, action figure. And they, they showed off a ton more. There's a new batch of Iron Man characters, mm-hmm. um, including Tony Stark. There's a modular Iron Man, a whole bunch of other characters. I'm most excited for the Ultron because they that's a really great sculpt for Ultron. The Ironheart is Yeah. Bananas. Yeah, yeah. I know I came across the Ironheart totally just I think somebody posted it or somewhere and I was just like <gasps> I like angry need that. And, and the build a figure is Ursa Major, the talking <laughs> Russian bear who I is it. I mean, look we at Marvel do some really weird, fun, amazing stuff. We have a giant talking bear that fights for Russia. My friend Pat one day turned to me and he was like, do you remember like a big Russian bear from comics? And I was like, yeah. He's like, what? <laughs> He's like, I loved that. I was like, yeah. great. 
<laughs> so good. They had the three and three quarter inch figures. They, they added some more to that retro wave and, and tons more. You can go to Hasbro Pulse on Instagram. You go to Hasbro Pulse's website to try and order them. Some of that stuff already sold out. It went yeah. like, like, as Lorraine said, was selling like hotcakes right off the bat. Oh, for sure. Diamond Select also showed off some really cool stuff recently. I know I definitely missed getting to do Toy Fair this this year, but I'm glad that we're still getting to see all the cool stuff that's coming out um, in the future. So there's a partially invisible Miles Morales bust that's going to mm-hmm. be available this summer. There is a zombie Doctor Doom bust that is going to be available for New York Comic Con or in that window. And then there's a bunch of other cool stuff. I remember seeing some of this stuff before, but it's finally coming to fruition, mm-hmm. like the Marvel Mini Mates 81 Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah. Oh, man. They're so cute. I love Mini Mates. Even before I worked at Marvel, I used to have a weird obsession with them, kind of like blind box style. I would buy <laughs> a million of them. Yeah. And now they gather dust, but I love them. They're so cute. <laughs> Really, really great. Uh, yeah, there's a lot that DST showed off, including a Dr. Afra statue that is based on the comics, yeah. and she looks rad. She's really, really cool. You can go to Collect DST on social media to see a lot of images, and you can pre-order through them or through your local comic shop. There's a lot of really cool stuff from Diamond Select. Yeah, check it all out. There's also just so much stuff coming out for comics. We're getting updates about July and all the cool stuff that's coming. And I think, obviously, got to talk about the X-Men off the bat. Yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about Pepe Larraz, who is, like, awesome, just incredible. I was doing an episode of Marvel's Pull List yesterday. We were recording it. Tucker and I were talking with Adam Kubert, who is mm-hmm. legend in comics, one of the greatest artists we've ever had. And he was just singing beautiful praise about Pepe, among other incredible ex-artists right now, and just talking about Pepe. Pepe is just knocking people's socks off. And here he is doing X-Men number one alongside Jerry Duggan for July. And this is a big one because this is the new X-Men team. And uh, part of what was announced this week, Lorraine, was who is joining the X-Men squad. Yeah, that's right. Polaris won the vote. You might have seen that bracket going on on Marvel.com or Marvel social media. So Polaris won. And she'll be joining Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Sunfire, Rogue, Wolverine, Sync, like me and Polaris, uh, they're going to all be, uh, you know, the the champions of mutant kind, like the X-Men are. Just yeah. trying to stop people from being hated and feared. That's right. I'm very excited by this. I think Jerry, on the other side of things, is also, like, doing some of the greatest work of his career right now between Marauders oh, and yeah. uh, Savage Avengers. Now his X-Men. I'm so happy because he's, he's also a friend of ours. Yeah, he's he's such a, a sweet, funny guy. It's also just I I love that for so long, you know, people thought of him as like the Deadpool writer, like the funny guy. And and then that run really took like some dramatic turns. Yeah. And now he writes everything. And I just <laughs> I really love it. Me too. Uh, another guy who I'm very excited for as they do more and more work is Jed McKay. Mm-hmm. Jed McKay. I think we talked about this briefly, but Moon Knight number one coming in July by Jed and Alessandro Capuccio. That's going to be really cool. It's just a new Moon Knight series. So people who are excited about Moon Knight coming to the MCU or just in general excited about Moon Knight, this is going to be a great issue to just like series to just dive into really learn who moon knight is and where he fits into the marvel universe yeah also coming in july is amazing fantasy number one written and drawn by kari andrews and this is going to be really cool obviously you know amazing fantasy 15 is where spider-man made his debut way back in the 1960s but now this is a new amazing fantasy limited series and it's going to have red room black widow teenage spider-man world war ii captain america it's all these very iconic versions of your favorite Marvel characters and they're going to be from across time and space and you know they're all going to come together it's going to be really really fun and I think really really cool so take a look out for that in July yeah Kari's an incredible storyteller so Mm -hmm. this one I'm excited that they're just letting Kari go full into this tell a story and um and have some fun this is going to be a one to watch recently the marvel comics folks released the reign of x slate which is really cool if you want to know what's sort of coming Mm -hmm. from the x-men comics uh we know children of the atom is out right now way of x number one comes out next week and it's great it's a really interesting book that hits like 
philosophy and religion and morality and everything the mutant kind does with and it's headed up by nightcrawler and it's really creepy and funny and wonderful in all the ways that you want x corp is coming in may in june of course we have the big hellfire gala yeah dope we talked about x-men number one in august there's a book that is classified currently written by leah williams and art by valerio skiti I know what it is. I can't tell you. Ooh. It's real good. Spicy. And then in September, in the like I love that they're saying we're going out this far and we're telling you what's coming up. Jonathan Hickman has a new X-Men book and we don't even know the artist for it. We don't know the title yet, but we just know Hickman coming to drop some cool X-Men stuff in September. I love it. I love it. There's so much good X-Men stuff as of late and it's just been great over the last few years really. Um it's just been like a a real exescence as the kids say is that what they say yeah you know um so ryan what was this cool thing i saw this on my screen this morning actually as we're filming this uh you did a marvel live with jason aaron right yeah jason and i sat down to just basically talk about the new series heroes reborn which is sort of looking at a a marvel universe in which there was no avengers and instead the uh, Squadron Supreme of America has uh, risen up and the world is really different. It's it's Jason and some amazing artists getting to tell really cool alternate reality storyline that does have repercussions for his Avengers book and, and for the characters there. And it's um, there's really cool stuff within it. I think you're going to see like Jason working with Ed McGuinness and Dale Keown with James Stokoe, who is one of my absolute favorite artists. It's going to be a blast. That's starting up really soon. Um, there's even a reading guide on marvel.com. So if you are like, ah, I'm not really sure what this is all about. There's a really cool complete guide to heroes reborn. That'll get you set up on what's coming in this big storyline. Yeah. 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 You know what else is coming up soon? Mm. May the 4th. Yeah. And May the 5th is a Wednesday. So look out for some Whoa. comics about Star Wars or Star Wars related things coming on May the 5th. You can check out John Cassidy is going to be doing some covers that are coming out on May the 5th for War of the Bounty Hunters, which kicks off in a special prelude issue of Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha number one. I love John Cassidy's work, especially on Star Wars. I think he really, really shines when he works on Star Wars. And so I think that's going to be really, really cool to see those. And then Charles Soule had this little quote about what is coming in War of the Bounty Hunters, which I think people are going to be really pumped about. So War of the Bounty Hunters is a story about Boba Fett doing his thing, but it builds into something much bigger. And that's what the best comic crossovers and big stories do. They tell a great story in and of themselves, but they're also the start of something and they open a lot of new doors. And this story will absolutely do that. That one's going to be really fun. There's a lot of like awesome little things that are popping out of it. We're getting like Jabba the Hutt story. We're getting some really great things. Charles Soule with uh, Steve McNiven doing that alpha issue. It's going to be really cool. If you're into the Star War at all, I think you should definitely check it out. I love the Star War. Uh, And then there's going to be a lot more stuff coming in July. Uh, More issues of Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters. There is going to be more Star Wars Dr. Afrin number 12 come in. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of stuff. So look out for that. May the 4th be with you, even though it's still April. (laughs) Yes. Also, we have a special promo here from our friends at Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Unlimited, of course, is the best way to read your favorite Marvel stories and epic moments within the Marvel Universe using a library of over 28 thousand digital comics and counting there are new ones added all of the time and right now you can sign up today and get one whole year of marvel unlimited for just 60 dollars with the code mu save 60 that's m-u-s-a-v-e-6-0 yeah go to marvel.com slash m-u-s-a-l-e that's marvel.com slash m-u-sale to sign up automatic renewal and other terms apply All right, Ryan, uh, what else we got on our docket today? Oh, yeah, you got to talk to somebody really cool. Yeah, I got to talk to K. Trevor Wilson of the Hulu series Letterkenny. K. Trev is awesome. He's a big comic book fan. Talked about, um, we talked about his Marvel journey, his favorite stories, comics. He actually had, obviously this is an audio podcast, but when we were recording we did it over video and he had like marvel comic posters behind him he had a marvel 
hat on. He had a Marvel t-shirt. He was like <laughs> into it. It was legit. It was really great. We talk a lot about behind the scenes of the series Letterkenny. They've had a couple of Marvel references, but you know, look, I've talked about the show a bunch here on the podcast. It's really good. It's really funny. It's, it's so silly. I love it. It's really silly. And it, it's one of those series that gets better as it goes along. Like the first season is good, but man, it really hits its stride. I'm very upset that I've binged all the seasons and I have a long time to wait for more. It's it's kind of killing me. I, it, which is very impressive because there are a lot of seasons. Yeah, there's nine seasons, but there are only six or seven episodes per season. So it's that's true. It's that's very true easy to digest um and uh, yeah it's really good uh check out letter kenny and uh enjoy my chat with k trevor wilson right now all right y'all i am very excited because our guest this week is k trevor wilson one of the stars of letter kenny on hulu sir please uh say hello introduce yourself and uh tell us where you're at hey guys it's me k trevor wilson you probably know me as squirrely dan from TV's Letter Kenny, or you know me as the slightly rude Canadian from Roast Battles, and I am here in my home in Toronto, enjoying some coffee in my marble mug. Yeah, uh, to our listeners who cannot see this, K-Trev, you have come out in full force, which I appreciate. You are rocking an Iron Man hat. You've got the cover of Captain oh, America. Oh, this is not just an Iron Man hat. Oh, it's a full Marvel hat. This is everyone. <laughs> that is good. Uh, you've got a nice cover of Captain America Comics number one behind you. I've got reprints of the Wolverine first appearance, Iron Man versus Submariner. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. You know, so I, I will tell you this straight off. I am a big fan of Letter Kenny. My wife and I, we just, she is as well. Um, she, we just started watching at the beginning of this calendar year. Someone was like, Y'all should check out the show Letter Kenny. We we're like, okay, great. So we watched it. So within like three weeks, we've watched eight seasons of the nine seasons. And uh, it's so dang good. It's so dang good. It, it, it is hard to put down. I, uh, I, I tend to uh, watch the whole thing in one sitting myself. Our first season, we were completely in untested uh, format in Canada. We were the first. Canadian produced show purely for a streaming service for a only available in Canada streaming service. And we got the air without a pilot. So we technically had six pilots. That first season was like our tester episode to see if this thing actually works. And lucky for us, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> it sure did. We'll get into more of Letterkenny as we go along. But uh, one thing I want to start with here is asking you the question, what is your Marvel origin story how'd you first get connected to the marvel characters and comic what was it for you some people it's like a cartoon or a comic book or or a piece of clothing what was it for you yeah i mean you know when you're a little kid uh superheroes just sort of seem to be everywhere when i was a kid they were still rerunning the old spider-man and uh, i remember that was like a big deal for us at lunchtime my brother and i would sit down and watch the old spider-man cartoons Around that time, like the, the action figures were coming out and I think it was really toys that brought us into the characters first. It was like, you know, I remember having superhero toys before I was really reading comics and then you sort of discover comic books. We used to rent a cottage and the family that owned it, the children were all grown up. They'd over the years put together this insanely massive comic book collection and just like drawers and drawers filled with old comics of all you know makes and models shapes and sizes they had like the old uh, marvel godzilla series where dum dum dugan is trying to bring down godzilla and for some reason he can shrink down to human size and be friends with the japanese boy there's a lot of weird stuff in that series uh, <laughs> godzilla is my favorite thing of all time like godzilla is my favorite every i have like five godzilla tattoos so um i've, I've pondered about that series for years you know stuff like that just uh made me interested in it you know i, I started reading these back issues of, of things and then a comic book shop excalibur comics opened up in my neighborhood and i would go and frequent there and and uh just started collecting and um i think like i used to collect web of spider-man that was one of my first ones and uh the incredible hulk and uh, I really got into the Peter David run on the Hulk. And I, 
I think I still have just about every Peter David issue of the Hulk in my bookcase just over here. And it was uh, Hulk, uh, Fantastic Four, Wolverine, and then later on Cable, X-Force, Deadpool. They were just everywhere. And it was just uh, Spider-Man, I think, is the most recognizable Marvel character that brings you in. And then from there, you discover the rest of them. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I, I get it, a hundred percent, and that's so part. You know what's interesting to me is you said Web of Spider-Man was the one that, like, your first Spider-Man book, and that was always like the darker Spider-Man title. In, in when we had, you know, three or four Spidey books, that was kind of the darker one, which I think is cool. As a kid, you know, sometimes you you start reading things or getting exposed to things that maybe a little bit out of your depth at times, but I think that actually helps you. Or at least it helped me. I was reading Punisher comics at a very far too young age, and and here I am now. And I think Web of Spider Man is a pretty cool way to get into things. And Peter David's Hulk. Are you reading the current Maestro books? No, I've uh, although I do have uh, the Marvel Unlimited app, so I'm looking to jump into some more books. But uh, I've actually been going uh, into some deep back cuts, and I've been reading a lot of the old. 1940s issues on Marvel Unlimited, going back into some like, you know, original Human Torch stuff and, uh, you know, just uh, rediscovering old characters like the original Avenger. And uh, I read the 12 series, like going back and finding all those characters like Rockman and, and the original Black Widow. And uh, and then I've just been, I've been rereading uh, recently a lot of uh, Nick Fury and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from the 1950s, and that sort of uh, introduction to the Cloak and Dagger era of Marvel Comics. Not to be confused with Cloak and Dagger, the superhero. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. The 40s stuff is so, so fun to look at, sometimes so painful. You know, like there's a lot of uh, stereotypes yeah. and depictions that you look at now, and we're just like, Ugh. but my personal favorite going through those is looking at old Submariner stories because those to me are like so ahead of the time. It's like you got, sometimes you'll get a Kirby story for like Captain America, but when you get to the Submariner stuff, like there's just something more sophisticated about those comics than, than a lot of others at the time. The evolution of the Submariner is so fun because you go back and read that first story and like the Atlanteans are full on fish people. And you could just see that it's like, they were onto something, but they weren't exactly there yet and scrapped the whole thing and built it from scratch. But yeah, literally the world's first anti-hero. He was an eco-terrorist. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Fighting it's whalers so and polluters. <laughs> yeah, just fighting against everybody. A hippie 20 years before it was a concept. <laughs> <laughs> but like a real pissed off hippie, like ready to start some stuff. It was great. You know, for for you, you, you've talked a lot about some of the, the books you read and the things you got and, you know, you, you've been into. Were you able to, like, pinpoint favorites, whether it's favorite character or all-time series? You mentioned Peter David. Is he, like, a favorite creator of yours? Like, you know, as Marvel fans, I think we start to glom onto certain things more than others. Do you have any particulars? Yeah, I mean, like, I love Peter David's work on the Hulk, and I've, I've obviously followed him to some other books, but... For me, it was more the Hulk than Peter David. That just happened to be the run that I, I really grabbed onto and collected that whole, you know, story arc of Hulk, you know, getting Banner's brain and then the evolution of that character. And then the introdu- introduction of uh, Maestro and uh, Future Imperfect and that whole series. But yeah, for me, I was like a big Hulk guy. I think uh, a lot of teenagers grab onto the Hulk, a, a quiet, shy nerd who is a powder keg of emotion on the inside. I think just about every adolescent boy can sort of bond to that character. And, uh, in, of course, being a Canuck Wolverine was always, you know, super popular up here. We were always really happy that, like, the most exciting Marvel character was Canadian. It made us Canadians happy. Yeah. Have you read any Immortal Hulk? I Actually, I picked up the graphic novel reprint of the first few issues, and it's it's in my reading queue. I'm uh, I'm excited oh. and nervous. I've heard, I've heard really good things. Dude, come <laughs> on, wipe everything out. Just like clear your schedule for a couple of days. You have Marvel Unlimited. You have your trade. Start in the trade, and just it's it's one of the best things I think we've ever published. I think comics has ever done, and it's 
Sweet. It, it, it's really interesting because I, I know the, the creative team and I've heard them explain the story a number of times and they have a, an endpoint. Like they know what they're doing and they know how they're getting there and watching them not diverge from their path and continue on and only add to it and build it and make it bigger and more everything that they've been doing. It's, it's inspirational in how they've been able to fulfill their creative vision. I'm excited for you to check this out. Cause I, I think it's going to just knock your socks off. I'm, I'm geared up. Everyone's been telling me that I have to read this. So I'm very excited to sit down and read it. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you have Marvel Unlimited already. Cause if you only have one trade, you're going to go, well, dang, I, <laughs> I gotta keep going. So you mentioned being, you know, obviously being Canadian, were, were you an alpha flight guy? How did alpha flight play, you know, when you were a kid? Cause that's, you were probably growing up in the nineties and then, you know, alpha flight ran a good 120 issues, so almost about 10 years. You know, as Canadians, we were always really excited to see that we finally had a superhero team and that they got their own book. Like, on one hand, I totally loved Alpha Flight. On the other hand, we could tell that this was not an important book <laughs> to the overall scheme of Marvel. And I think I think Alpha Flight had a great core base of heroes with a lot of heat, but the villains I don't think were as captivating as as other heroes' villains. What Master of the World? He yeah. doesn't do it for you with his weird, I love his weird costume. He's such a bonkers character. <laughs> so, and I think I think that's the key to any good book is you need a villain. The Fantastic Four isn't the Fantastic Four without Doctor Doom. The Avengers needed the Masters of Evil. The X-Men have Magneto. And uh, I, I don't really know who that, I mean, Master of the World just wasn't as captivating as those villains. But, I mean, Sasquatch is one of my all-time favorite characters. I have a buddy whose literal dream in life is to play Puck. He's 5'4 and goes to the gym every day. <laughs> I think Puck is one of the coolest characters. That like That's a character to me that could you could just mine for some really great stories uh, and really tell something cool with. Puck is uh, – he wears his little – he's got his, like, singlet. He looks uh, almost like a pro wrestler. Uh, which is good because I want to talk to you a little bit about wrestling. Heard that you're a, you're a big wrestling fan, and uh, as am I. I was watching season eight, and there was an uh, I think it was it might have been the cold open of one of the episodes talking about wrestlers. Oh yeah, you know it was not it was unexpected because there's not been a lot of wrestling talk, and then it was just like you know one character's talking about putting on um, sharpshooter and then dropping like Randy Orton reference, like all kinds of wrestling references. I was like someone involved is a huge mark where where was that you or who who on the staff put all that stuff in there? I, I i wish i could take credit for that but actually that whole scene was written by trevor risk one of our writers and uh, risky and i are both big old school wrestling fans and whenever risky comes by the set we end up uh we end up gossiping about uh, pro wrestling and uh he's just like risky's awesome he he's he you know writes some of our really iconic stuff, like a lot of the Dax and Ron scenes are Risky's. Uh, the Valentine's episode uh, had a lot of Risky in it. Uh, and he's, he's a terrific writer. And we definitely, we, we both geek out over pro wrestling and RuPaul's Drag Race. And uh, it's really fun that we share that uh, common interest. And on set, I'm the go-to wrestling expert. Like if they need the name for a move, they'll call me up like I... Uh, I had to correct a Boston Crab sharpshooter debate uh, a few seasons ago. And um, yeah, Risky wrote that whole scene and and we just loved it. I mean, it was, I think, partially inspired by Alexa Bliss being such a big fan of the product and tweeting about us. But also Jared has a legitimate friendship with Mike Mizanin. They work together on one of the Marines, I believe. And uh, Jared holds the Miz in very high regard and this has always been very uh, sweet with sharing uh, Letterkenny stuff and, and congratulations online. So the fun thing that came out of that was I found out Ronda Rousey was a fan of the show because we dropped the rowdy Ronda Rousey line. And then last year she tweeted about watching Letterkenny with her husband and geeking out when she heard her name dropped. And I was like, well, I'm going to geek out now because the baddest woman on the planet just uh, watched my TV show and I definitely got to drop that line. So. 
yeah that was, that was great though i think it was like a you know rowdy rowdy piper and then rowdy ronda rousey back and forth i want to get into some of like the wordplay and stuff about letter but i still want to talk about wrestling because we just not long ago we got to have the undertaker here on the show which dude like as a wrestling fan that I, has you know, to be awesome oh my god and he was so cool he was telling us stories that you know he's been going on this media tour for the last you know year or so and so you hear a lot of things and i still heard stories i'd never heard before when just talking to him and he was a marvel fan he like talked about reading daredevil comics i was like the freaking undertaker knows daredevil i like i i got excited about that that was a hoot that was really <laughs> fun. and we just had on johnny gargano from nxt who is oh right uh, on he's a huge like toy collector as well. So he's another legend collector. Yeah, he's yeah. a legend collector, but he and I have been friends for a long time. And I, the last time I had seen him, we were talking because he was working on a, uh, like finishing a collection of the toys for the 90s Spider Man animated series. And so now oh, nice. he's got a full collection. He might be missing like one of the play sets or something like that. So it's just, I love like the bridge between comics and wrestling. Like it, they're just so similar in so many ways. Comics and wrestling tend to go hand in hand. And I think it's because when you're a kid, like pro wrestlers are the closest thing on earth to real life superheroes, you know, over the top characters, colorful costumes, occasionally masks to hide your secret identity and impossible feats of strength and athleticism. So it's really easy to see that uh, comparison. And I love that like the wrestlers now are able to really celebrate their geekdom yeah. More, I think, you know, back in the old days, it was a lot of ex-football players and, and ex-athletes uh, veering into wrestling, and they probably weren't geeks, but, like, this new crop of wrestlers are all, like, you know, they grew up nerds, and they just happened to hit the ner- be nerds or hit the gym. And, like, Gargano's got great Marvel-themed ring gear, his Iron Man stuff in the past, and I think he's had some Wolverine-inspired gear in the past, and... Xavier Woods in the New Day, like their, even their Dragon Ball Z inspired ring gear. Yeah, no, I, I love, I love like watching wrestlers geek out and being like, yes, I love that ridiculous crap too. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned Dragon Ball Z, and so I'm a huge Dragon Ball fan. My wife is as well. I, I got her into it, and we were watching Letterkenny, probably four or five seasons in, and I, I just stopped and I looked at her. And went, Letter Kenny is Dragon Ball. And and I she's like, what? And I was like, so in Dragon Ball, Goku is like the top fighter. He's the main character. He's this guy and he's driven. He just, you know, he's he he does what he does. And he has a he has a close group of friends, and then he has an enemy, and he beats the enemy, and then they become friends. And then he beats the enemy, and then they become friends. And he grows this group of people and they go around doing all this stuff. And I was like, <laughs> Letter Kenny is Dragon Ball. And it made me so happy to like put that connection together, even if I'm the only one who sees it. I, I mean, I definitely don't think that was intentional because I'm not sure how much uh, <laughs> manga uh, my good boy Jared there uh, watches, but yeah. that is definitely one of the most unique. And I, I can definitely <laughs> see that. I mean, from, you know, Joint Boy and Tyson and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Many guys over the years that we have given a thrashing to have ended up in our corner. Yep. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he does have you know his tight knit group, and and uh, we're all wacky looking guys that surprisingly can fight. Uh, <laughs> you know, exchange a pupper for for all the food that Goku eats, and it's you know he's just That's right. There you go. <laughs> I, I appreciate like the analogies we got. You know, like being up here in Canada sort of the easiest way to describe the show for the longest time is we're the love child of corner gas and trailer park boys. But uh, I always love hearing other people's description of us. And my one buddy, JJ Whitehead, uh, who works for uh, the Jim Jeffries show, uh, he, when he saw our show for the first time, he, he called me up and was like, dude, you're doing live action South Park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I was like, wow, I would take that compliment. And uh, Another buddy of mine called us live action King of the Hill, which was another <laughs> comparison I will I will happily take. But yeah, yeah. 
you know, just uh, replace the bus stop for the produce stand. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love the produce stand too, because it's like, I don't think I, there's never been someone coming by to buy the fruit. It's just like the, just the place to hang out. We have joked about that. that the, <laughs> no one has ever bought any fruit from the produce stand. It's so good. Uh, one of my other co-hosts, Lorraine, she she couldn't be here for this, but I've been pressing her to watch Letterkenny because she is she's a comedian, she's an improver, she is a brilliant writer, she's really funny, and she loves puns and wordplay. And I was like, Lorraine, and I've said this on the show, it's probably made it into recent episodes. Like, Letterkenny has some of the most like rapid fire, funny, witty dialogue and banter that you can get on television. I I love it. Every episode is, you know, there's going to be like this roller coaster of like trying to catch up to what everybody's saying as a performer in that. How much fun is that to get into? Because it just seems like a blast. It, it, I mean, we have way too much fun filming the show and um, it definitely leads to a lot of giggles. And uh, I mean, the best parts for us, of course, is you get going so rapid fire that inevitably you're going to trip up on one of the words in a, in a hilarious uh, way. We have to put in a lot of rehearsals for those and thank God it's television and we get to do the start and stop because we stumble. I'll tell you the hockey boys, they, they start rehearsing probably a month before they show up to set because it is, they are so rapid fire and so fast. And uh, I've been telling the story a lot, but I remember when they were doing the, uh, the hockey player poo names oh uh, in one of the seasons where they're going back and forth and just saying like that guy's playing like, you know, poo and then different hockey player poo names. And, and Hersey kept tripping on Saku Koivu. He was supposed to say Saku Koipu, but he kept saying Seku Koipu. And, and uh, Jacob plays Glenn. He's also the director and, and co-head writer. Jacob, like after everyone cut, it's not Seku, it's Saku. We got to get the player's name right for the joke to work. Saku, Saku Koipu. And then Hershey would be like, Saku, Saku, Saku. I got it. Action. Seku. Caught. And then... <laughs> Andrew's like, what? What, did I say it wrong again? And it finally got to the point where Jacob like, comes out of the garage and just like, it's Saku. He's a personal hero of mine. He survived cancer. <laughs> Saku! Saku Koipu! <laughs> the seriousness of getting his first name right just so we can intentionally screw up his second name. Yeah. That's that's the beauty of Letter Kenny. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Some of those jokes and some of like those bits and pieces become so referential to things I have no idea about. You know, like whether it's I'm not a big hockey guy, whether it's a hockey thing or maybe it's something more Canadian and you know focused. Like when you guys have the the TSN, like the Canadian Sports Center stuff, I'm just like, I don't I'm way out of my depth. But at the same time, the show's so good. The show's so funny. It even me as a you know as a Yank who doesn't even understand some of that stuff, I'm just like, I don't care. I'm still cracking up. I'm still in it. Which I think is such a testament to you guys for you know bridging that gap just by proving that comedy can cross any border you know if it's funny it's funny yeah and and even if you don't 100 percent know all the references if a joke is smart enough you can get a laugh from people who are even like i'm not 100 percent sure what this is but i get that and uh we've been very lucky with uh the tsn stuff because i mean those are all actual sports announcers up here in Canada. Jay and Dan, like, you know, the, these guys are like our favorite sports announcers. So it's been really exciting to get them and, and Kate and everyone. And then like when they had the whole hockey crew on doing the, the tournament, like it's super fun for us to get these guys to come do our show. And then we get them out of their element and we get them doing something they're not used to. And, uh, it, you know, it's again, it leads to a lot of fun, a lot of good bloopers. But it's just it's just really cool to have these people come on and be excited about being on the show. We're all hockey geeks, so. <laughs> yeah. Another wonderful thing about the show is the way your character, Squirrely Dan, speaks, like the pluralizing so much. How did that come about? And, and for you, is that a difficult thing to like wrap your head around? Like, is there a, a logic to it, to what gets pluralized and what doesn't? Sometimes we go through and pick the funnier, like what, which is the funnier word to add the plural to. Uh, it, it's great because now so used to that aspect of the character that the, 
the writers will work it in, you know, they'll write the dialogue uh, for the Squirrely Dan performance. But it really started out when I I joined the show and it became a TV show. Uh, Jared and Nate were the OGs from the original web series. They already were coming into the TV show with sort of established characters and established pattern of how to do things. So when I was joining them, knowing I was going to be their third wheel, I wanted to bring something different to the dynamic that wasn't there yet. And uh, being a stand-up comedian, I'd spent years and years, you know, earning my living doing shows in small towns. And the one constant, you know, no matter where you go, every small town has got a fistful of guys who just don't have a full grasp of the English language, even though it's the only language they speak. And, you know, you get into small towns and there's plurals where they shouldn't be. In some parts of Canada, you can attribute it to sort of the, the French upbringing, because a lot of uh, Francophone people will add extra S's because, you know, uh, the grammar works differently between the two languages. And then over the years, people, as they get further away from their French background, have these weird habits they picked up from, from you know, their grandparents. But then some people just, there's no reason for it. Every small town I go to, the waitress always comes up and, how are you guys doing? You know, that's a couple unnecessary S's right there. <laughs> and it's like, doesn't matter where you are, United States, Canada, there's going to be extra S's. And then my buddy and I, when we were doing stand-up, we would just, you know, start in between gates or driving between these towns. We started doing this thing called uh, uh, Small Town CSI. We were joking about, like, there's no crime in small towns because it would be terrible because everyone knows each other. So we would just, like, make each other laugh by playing these small town cops running the CSI division. And it was all plurals and malapropisms, just broken phrases. And yeah, I mean, we'd literally be driving by town just doing these jokes like, uh, uh, all right, come out of the bank, Greg. No one's getting you no helicopter. <laughs> you know, or, or our classic joke is just the one simple one is we would just taste something and go, well, that's bull semen. <laughs> <laughs> Doing stand-up, let's look at Marvel characters. Take Deadpool out of the equation. Do you think there's another Marvel character that would be good, have the have the fortitude to do stand-up and be funny? You know what? I think Spider-Man definitely has a natural inclination towards zingers. Now, now I do believe he would probably bomb his first time out on stage, but that's just standard for everybody. You know, he would walk up too cocky and think everyone's going to love your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and then they wouldn't get the references but I think with some refinement his uh, collection of uh, alliterational jibes at uh, some of his enemies would make uh, excellent stuff. He'd fare very well in a roast situation. Yeah, a roast who is the the legendary stand-up comedian who would like just uh, like insult all the, the folks Oh, in the uh, Don, Don Rickles yeah, he, he'd be like a, a PG, PG-13 Don Rickles. Don was always very, uh, you know, clean. He was just very mean. <laughs> I did get to see him live, though, at Just for Laughs a few years before he passed away. And I have to say, the guy was, like, as rude and as abrasive as he was, still pure class. And there was one thing I noticed, and you don't always see it when you watch a show, but if there was anyone in the audience that he... Uh, went after really hard uh, an usher would come up to them and present them with a complimentary bottle of really high-end champagne oh. and he would always send a little uh thanks for playing along gift to the people and it was like okay you know that's a that's a touch that some people would miss in this day and age and that's still something i, I see like i got a buddy rob Pugh, and if he goes really hard into an audience member, he'll buy him a few shots over the course of the show. It's just sort of way of being like, we're just having some fun here. You know, we're, we're, let's be friendly. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That, that's very sweet. I, I appreciate that. One of the things about Letterkenny is uh, Wayne, one of the main characters, he's, he's the toughest guy in Letterkenny. He will fight anybody. So if you could, if you could see Wayne take on a Marvel hero, you, you, you have some limitations there, but who do you think Wayne would fare well against? Probably, I mean, most of the non-powered guys probably be able to stand toe-to-toe with. Like, I, I think he could give, uh, you know, you take weapons out of it. I think uh, him and Hawkeye could uh, have a bruiser of a fight. I don't know if he could beat Captain America, but I definitely think he'd earn his respect. 
we we always joke actually that Jared is Captain Canada up here. He's actually born on Canada Day. Wow. He was born on our nation's birthday. I think on one of the first uh, Letterkenny videos on YouTube, someone commented that that man's jawline could power a small town. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, Trev, I I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you having me here. Yeah, man, you're a big Marvel fan. So, you know, that that rules and makes me even happier, makes me even more appreciative of uh, knowing that we got our Marvel fans and one of my favorite TV shows. So you got to get Marvel Comics to mention Letterkenny because we we exist in the DC universe. How dare they? The the question told Superman about us. So (laughs) those monsters, I all right, I will. So you have to, uh, you have to step it up. I, I, you know what? I think, uh, I think Wolverine needs to, needs to tell people to watch Letterkenny or something like that. Yeah, I, <laughs> Deadpool's got to be a Letterkenny fan. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna get on that. <laughs> Maybe Squirrely Dan stops by for Freedom's Plaza. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> that would be terrific. Okay, Trevor. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Great meeting you. Wow, that seemed really, really fun. It was a ding dang delight. Uh, Letter Kenny is great. Uh, you know what also is great, and we've already talked about it once in the show, Women of Marvel number one, which is going to be in comic shops and on the Marvel app next week. And that leads us into our guest and our question of the week for next week. Yeah, we want to know what female superhero would you most like to team up with? You can tweet us your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com, or you can send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. And please make sure to tell us if they are quote unquote okay to read so that they are okay to read on the show. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And we'll be talking with uh, editor Sarah Brunstad next week on Mm -hmm. the show. Uh, Sarah edited the Women of Marvel number one issue. She also edits some really freaking great comics, uh, Immortal Hulk and uh, the, the different anthologies we've been doing lately and tons, tons more. Sarah is fantastic. And she's been at Marvel like almost eight years now, kicking butt, being fantastic. So stay tuned for that one next week. But this week, we are going to get into our community section. And the question of the week that we asked y'all last week was, which Marvel character do you think would fit in well in the town of Letterkenny? And we've got an email in here from our pal Bilal Alayan. Bilal says, hey, crew. First things first. Happy belated birthday, Lorraine. Oh, thank you. Malau continues, when you asked which Marvel character would fit in Letterkenny, Deadpool was the first person I assumed would fit right in because of the crude humor of the show. But when I thought about the question some more, I think a better person would be Northstar. Mm. Having a French-Canadian from the big city would undeniably bring some hilarity to the small rural town. Which I think is a great answer, Bilal. Bilal continues, I would like to mention a couple of books that came out recently that were just a ding-dang delight. Beta Ray Bill, number one, had great writing and beautiful artwork. The writer and artist make a great team. That one's a joke there Bilal is making because it is written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson, and it is truly a triple D. I will agree. That is my interjecting. (laughs) Bilal continues saying, the other book was Silk number one. Cindy Moon and J. Jonah Jameson's relationship is a little odd, but I laugh every time he calls her analog. I agree. It's a great book. And this one is a question for you, Lorraine. Bilal asks, I don't really know Silk that well and was wondering if there is a book out there that explains the power of this girl. Nice, <laughs> a little segue. Uh, Lorraine, do you have any suggestions? Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for asking. I wrote a book called Marvel Powers of a Girl, which does have a whole section about Silk. 10 out of 10 would recommend. The author is me. So... <laughs> please read it. That would be great. Thank you so much for asking. And of course, you know, I would always recommend reading Dan Slott's run, Introducing Silk, as well as the wonderful recent Silk runs. So thank you for asking. Yeah, that's amazing Spider-Man, the first like six issues from 2014. Mm -hmm. And then the Silk issues from 2014, there was one series and then another series 
mm-hmm. uh, because it got broken up by the Secret Wars event. Right, right, right. Um, so there's all there's you know a good 25 issues of Silk Comics you can read before even the new one. So it's really good. Yeah. Next up, we have one from Marley Maison at Nerd Maven, which says Toad from X Men. He's a total skid, and no one would even look twice if he did some weird Toad stuff. Oh man, the skids. So the skids also an important thing to know are. A bunch of sort of like ravers, the, yeah, of? like they're they're like goth rave kids. Yeah, the best that like squat in a Stir- basement. <laughs> Stir- <laughs> oh man, they're so fun. Oh, I may have to watch all of Letterkenny again. All right, uh, we've got a tweet in here from Steve Agnew at Viking Prince, which says, "Greetings once again from the Appalachian Trail." I could totally see Matthew Rosenberg's Hawkeye hanging out with a gang in Letterkenny by the farm stand, cracking a beer, mm. and discussing what happened in Freefall. Allegedly. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. For anybody who hasn't read Hawkeye Freefall by Matt and Otto Schmidt, it's a great series. I believe it's all up on Marvel Unlimited right now. Yeah. Next up, we have one from Gabe at Skeleton Whiskey, which said, weirdly enough, I can imagine pretty clearly Bucky Barnes saying, get this guy a flipping puppers. <laughs> That's a good edit for the curse word in that tweet. But yeah, I would 100% see that that'd be a lot of fun yeah we got a tweet in here from ai at ai Styrion, which says mort the dead teenager which is a deep cut and i fully enjoy that suggestion anybody who doesn't know mort the dead teenager do a little googling there's not a lot of mort content out there for you <laughs> but it's a hoot next up we have one from trunk Sholot at trunk Sholot, which says literal answer is mystique wolverine versus not as good wolverine would be hilarious spider-man could keep up with the chirping pretty well i feel uh, so a whole gang of folks would yeah. fit in to letter kenny mystique obviously would be the easy fit because she would just be like i assume the identity of someone in the town mystique is also like as old as wolverine has probably spent a lot of time in canada i'm assuming oh yeah you know oh yeah i also love saying that spider-man would be chirping because the chirping is sort of like from a side trying to psych people out by yelling at them and that would be (laughs) that's a really great observation uh we got another tweet in here from mcu dad at dad underscore mcu saying obviously wolverine because canadian Yes, agreed, 100%. Turtle Tob Q at Turtle Tob Q said, Gail would be all over Logan, allegedly. <laughs> uh, Gail is the bartender in Letterkenny, and she is ready to get it. And so, yeah. Allegedly. True. Allegedly. Maximilian Alexander says, Aunt May. I don't know uh, how I feel about that. I'm going to firmly disagree. <laughs> But I thank you for your comment. Yeah. I don't know. Aunt May on a Canadian vacation, getting into some stuff without Peter around. Who knows? Could be fun. Yeah. As long as she brings Miss Lyons. <laughs> yes. And then we have this one from the overpowered tech lord at Lex Pendragon, which said, This week a Marvel asks, who would be a good resident of a Canadian town from a TV show I haven't watched? The answer is obviously Ryan. I think he would love that. Oh, Ryan. I mean, it is true. I would love that. I would go to Letterkenny in a second. Who would you hang out with? The skids. I would play old video games and do some silly dancing. Yeah, 100%. I would pay to see that. I would not get into their other recreational activities. It's not a thing I do, but I would have a good time goofing around. But yo, watch the show, man. I've been saying this for a long time. Watch the dang show. Watch the dang show. All right, Karis Pollard at A. Karis Pollard says, so my This Week in Marvel award goes to America Chavez and lists the creative team of Clinda Vasquez, Carlos Gomez, and Jesus Arbutov. For one, it's the best looking book of the week. Those colors swoon. It also has some of the best heart and emotion and really shows who America is in her light and anger as well. Oh, and it builds mystery. Ooh. Next up, we have a Facebook message from Jeff Martins, which says, Hey, thanks so much for the reply to my note. Really enjoyed your interview about the Marvel method. And I do agree with your reply. There is way too much negativity out there and no shortage of critics. However, as much as I also love pretty much anything, Marvel, particularly the MCU, it's always fun to pick things apart and dig just a little deeper into why something didn't land, etc. in a movie or a show, as maybe it was intended. All the best. Looking forward to Squirrely Dan. Yay. 
thank you for that one, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, of course, had a great comment a couple weeks ago about wanting to see more criticism and, and stuff in the show. I think that's a really interesting point you sort of uh, talk about here, Jeff, is that it's fun to pick things apart and dig into a little deeper why something didn't land. The thing that I always come back to is what doesn't land for me might land for someone else. You know, obviously there's going to be stuff that is just flat out not great for like anything. There's always that possibility. But like, you know, what's porridge for me might be poo poo for you. Honestly, Ryan, I love that because not everything's got to be for you. You know, like it can just exist for somebody else. So I think sometimes you just have to ask, is this for me? Maybe I'm not the demo and that's fine. Totally. But that's it, Jeff. I think that's a great point. It's something I'll think about, you know, like if stuff, something doesn't land, we we could talk about it in ways that maybe, you know, fit into that thought process. I'll I'll keep that in mind. I think it's really cool perspective and I really appreciate you writing in with these thoughts. I think they're super helpful and constructive for us and it gets everybody thinking and talking, which, hey, we like that. Yeah, we definitely do. Thank y'all for writing in. Yeah, that wraps it up for us. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Alexis Williams, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Canagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. And Joel DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to Squirrely Dan and Squirrely Girls. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. (laughs) Your universe. 